Soccer Podcast. My name is Boreal Demi, and as usual, I'm joined by Manny and Justin. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, basically the Euros and the first, you know, the first match day, and then we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Copa America, which a lot of people probably don't know that's going on because the Euros is basically overshadowed the Copa America. But before we we get into the games, um, I do want to uh, ask the so Manny and, and, and Justin, um, what were your favorite you know games in this first round? Uh, I'll start with you, Justin. My one favorite game, I think, was probably um, Netherlands and Ukraine, just because it got a, had a pretty wild finish towards the end, uh, where they Ukraine clawed it back and then they blew it at the end, but it was it was an exciting game to watch. So um, I didn't expect that to be my favorite game, that's for sure. Uh, but I think it was in terms of the first round. That was the one I found most exciting. What about you, Manny? Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with you as well. Um, I, I remember. What, what? What? Hold on. Manny, you agree with me? <laughs> Just this once, actually. Uh, for that same reason, I, I think it was something that one of those games where um, after the 2-0 we all thought, you know, the majority of us thought, okay, this game is over. And then, honestly, for those that turned off the the TV at like the minute at minute like 60, they missed the best part because those last 30 minutes were insane. So, um, here's to hoping that more games are going to be uh, as exciting as that one was. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go and say that I, I, I concur, and I. I really can't say there was any game that was better than that, but I do want to call out, I think, the, the Poland-Slovakia game. I really was... I was impressed with that, uh, with the Slovakia team. Um, they really... They turned it up from, from the, the first minute to the 90th minute. They were just running nonstop. Um, so I do I do want to call out that game, too. I, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't the best of games in terms of, like, you know, the skill level and everything, but it was just a good game. And shout-out to Hamšík. He He... I mean, he's old now, but like somehow he's still, you know, be able to pass all, you know, the the nice passes that he gives out to the attackers. So that was that was a pretty good game. Um, well, I think let's start with the games that just ended uh, today, actually, uh, in, in in Group F. Um, the first game, Hungary and Portugal. Um, there was a lot that went on here, um, and I would like to just, I guess, let's start out by by calling out you know, the elephant in the room, which is Ronaldo, right? Ronaldo scored two goals and he broke a few records and most goals ever scored in the Euros and uh, only player to play in five Euros, which is, I mean, it's mind-boggling how, you know, that's four times five, right? 20 years. So he's been on that team for 20 years now and it's amazing. Um, So so shout out to Ronaldo, but I do want to call out the penalty uh, that was given. Um, I, you know, I don't know what our feelings are with that penalty, but I'd like to get your thoughts. Um, anyone, if if you did see the penalty, if if you think it was a penalty or not. You mean the the penalty in air quotes, that penalty. The I mean, yeah, the touch I mean, that that's a penalty. <laughs> so, I have mixed feelings about this because, right before this happened. Um, it seemed to be a pretty even match. I mean, it looked like Hungary was yes. actually really comfortable or getting more comfortable. And the longer the game went, 
um, scoreless, the more frustrated and clueless Portugal looked. Um, I mentioned beforehand uh, in our preview, in our Euro preview cast, that I thought this team uh, was going to struggle just because there was one too many Eagles on uh, on the field at the same time. And today we kind of saw that. We saw, you know, Fernandez. We saw, uh, to me, Jota was probably the best Portugal player. I don't not think Ronaldo. so. I completely not, not disagree. Really? I completely not, disagree. Jota, yeah. Not Ronaldo. But to me, it looked like every time something happened, it was trying to be forced over to, you know, for Ronaldo to make a, a play or make something happen. And right before this whole thing happened, I mean, the game turned on its head, you know, in the span of what, two minutes, three minutes. Um, the first goal, that's fine. Then you get Hungary, who scores um, a, a very close, like offside goal. Um, but that that PK shouldn't have, have been called at all. Um, it was really soft, in my opinion. Um, even the commentators were saying that that's something that's not particularly given. Um, and uh, again, I think that it, it's one of those things that um, they should just let them play on. Yeah. Yeah, it's weak. A, a, a weak call. I mean, he was pulling him back. So whatever, the argument can be made that uh, it was a penalty, but I, I don't know. It was a weak one. If that's a penalty, we'll get to this game. If that's a penalty, then uh, I don't know how the next game that we're going to talk about, France-Germany, you don't give a penalty to a player like Mbappe when he gets tackled from behind. But, you know, whatever it is, uh, you gotta you yes, got to give was... Pinaldo. There's, you knew there's going to be at least one Pinaldo goal in this tournament, so we started it early with it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And... Um... I, I guess this is a good time to, to kind of deviate to to the France and Germany game uh, just because of time. Uh, do, you know, I think someone has a question here. Do, do you think that game lived up to it, to its hype? I, I don't know. Did anyone does anyone have a problem with that game? Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, it wasn't the best game compared to like the other games that we like Netherlands and Korea, but I think I thought it was a good game. I, I disagree, actually. Um, I thought it was a bit flat, considering that Germany was at home as well, and they had, you know, the, the home crowd advantage. Um, I don't think that uh, Yogi uh, or Yogi Lowe actually set up the right lineup um, to play against uh, the speed on the wings and uh, that uh, France has up front as well. Um, and I really think that the the ref uh, giving Kimmich uh, a yellow card in what like the like the fourth minute, like the first ten minutes of the game, Incre- incredible. I, I I think that really changed the course of the entire game because from that moment on, Kimmich was not the same dynamic player that we're used to seeing at Bayern at all. Um, you know, he just seemed very unsure of himself and second guessing a lot of what he was doing and. Um, I, I think that really had a lot to do, uh, that, that yellow card being given out so early uh, for something that was very minor foul. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that it was the yellow, it was the, comp, the compilation of both like the yellow card that he got early, I think, Manny. But also, like, he was playing kind of out of position. He's a very dynamic player. He can play right back, uh, holding midfielder, which is I think he's probably more comfortable there. But, like, he's kind of playing like, like right wing back, kind of not his favorite position to be in. 
And then getting the yellow card on top of that, he just looked like, yeah, he, he wasn't his usual self. Justin, I, I'd like to to kind of call out a player that would probably all agree that was the flop of the game. I think he really had a horrible game, uh, and that's uh, Hummels. W- what is your, your thoughts about the game he had? I mean, I think he had so many howlers, right? Including the almost penalty that should have probably be probably been a penalty. I mean, it definitely should have been a penalty. No, no probably is about it. It definitely should have been a penalty. He tackled right through Mbappe's legs from behind in the box after Mbappe just blitzed past him. Like Mbappe just, you know, roasted him um, on a run from midfield. But then uh, I think actually, Bori, it's not just Hummels. I think this kind of speaks to the problem with a few of the big teams at this tournament. And I think something that you're definitely going to want to talk about when we get to Italy is about like just some of the aging center backs who are not so let's just say let's be kind and say uh they're um they're not in their prime they're not in their prime <laughs> sure <laughs> they're not gonna be nobody would ever think that they're gonna they're gonna be pulled over for breaking any speed limits let's just say they're they're a little <laughs> yeah uh they're a little slow on the turn and Hummels is definitely one of those players. Italy has kind of the same problem. Belgium, I actually think Belgium had, might have some center backs who kind of fall into that category as well. So there's a few teams right. that have this problem. And Hummels, I agree, was really exposed for it. Although, that being said, France did only score the one goal. It finished one yeah. nothing. Manny, I, I want to put the attention to you because uh, one of the players that plays for Chelsea had a very weird time or moment uh, against Pogba. Could you just explain to us exactly? First of all, explain to us for people that didn't see the game yet, what went wrong? And what what what, what was going on there? I, I'm still confused. It went wrong no for idea. the rest of us, but Rudiger, maybe it went very right for him. I don't know. He seemed to he seemed to enjoy himself. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Well, I, no, let, let me spell it out for you. <laughs> let me spell it out for you. Basically, Rudiger, I think basically bit uh Pogba and then then went on to basically grab his chest from behind which is such a weird thing to do on a field where there are thousands of people watching you I mean millions definitely around the world I mean it, it was just a weird moment it was almost like a, the uh, Suarez Chiellini but with like a, a a pat down on the chest you know I, I don't know is that what they teach people folks in Chelsea I'm just trying to just know for, so what we're getting from Tamari oh look we're at the time limit um, so going on a group, uh, <laughs> no, um, in all, in all seriousness, um, uh, I didn't even catch it the first time that, that it, like live when they went in back and replayed it. I saw that, um, it, I don't think it was quite, you know, a Chiellini Suarez level. Um, it wasn't like a, like a, like a bite per se. I'd say it was more of a, of a nibble, if you will. Um, nonetheless, because, because that's, uh, it's all right. Anybody that's familiar with Rudiger knows that he's one of those players that is, um, you know, that certainly lives up to the, you know, shithousery, um, so to speak. And uh, he certainly has done things, um, if you've seen him in previous games, to get into uh, opponents' uh, heads. Um, I don't think it worked with Pogba at all, because I think, to me, Pogba was one of the two best players on the field today. Yeah. But what was uh, yeah, Maestro. I mean, which maybe that's that's why Rudiger did what he did. Rudiger's becoming. Uh, let's not forget, he's also the one who injured De Bruyne in the Champions League final, right? That, so, uh, unintentionally. So I think, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. just saying, 
Rudiger yeah. to me, he's becoming the the Lance Stevenson or maybe like the Ron Artest of uh, international soccer. If you know these NBA players, just like a one who can wind up the star player on the other team. I'll give you yeah. the Lance Stevenson uh, analogy because I could see him blowing in Papa Glazier as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a what a what a time to be alive, right? Um, but no, yeah, you're right. Pogba was phenomenal. That pass to uh, Lucas Hernandez, which is the wrong Hernandez brother playing, right? By by the way, um, it should be the other brother playing in the left back position. Uh, let's let's just move on to the Group A. The first game that happened was Italy Turkey. Um, I believe I have I had hyped Turkey, so I guess this, this is the time for you all to yeah, tell boy. me how wrong I was. Yeah, boy, you were you were the only one hyping Turkey, so the I'm, only one. The only one. Uh, no, I'm guilty of it as well. <laughs> I was pretty. I'm not, I know. I said they were. Well, the end okay, of the third. Manny, we'll we'll get to your pick too. I want to hear your thoughts about your pick, your your dark horse of this group. But uh, I don't think we can. Nobody can deny that Turkey was for me biggest flop of the first round. They they looked yes. abysmal. I don't know if it's just because it was the first game of the tournament. They're coming cold perhaps i don't know what happened but they were abysmal against italy in the first match of the, of the tournament i'm telling you man hakan shalanulu will do wonders <laughs> it will bring down the whole team if he's playing if, if he's having a bad day but i i wanted to just call out something i mean let's be real here italy didn't score until the second half i'm not saying oh you know i'm not trying to say like the you know score uh, you mean not scoring in the off. first half is the problem the, they, they did have a little sh- shot they did, yeah, they didn't even have a shot in the first half. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. Um, I, I I do want to call out again. I think I called it out the first time. The problem with this Italy team is their their defense, right? Like, I mean, sure we have Denarma as a keeper, but then you have Chiellini, Bonucci, and Florenzi, who are not the fastest players. Um, and I can imagine if they're playing teams like Ukraine or Slovakia, who have really agile and fast players, they could get really outpaced sometimes and maybe there could be runs behind these defenders and you know they could then lose but my point of saying this is yes sure turkey i think it was more of turkey having a bad game than italy have a good having a good game in my opinion i think i would love to see italy play a better team and unfortunately i don't think we will until after they leave the group so okay so 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 manny i would love to hear your thoughts i'd love to hear your thoughts i disagree i disagree with that um I'm going to call out one player that has been probably as heavily criticized as any player on the world stage uh, for club and country. Uh, goes by Jorginho. Uh, this guy pulled all the strings for the Italian side. Um, he just completely dominated that midfield. And although I do agree with you, Bori, that you know that back line is old, and you know it, once they go up against a pretty fast forward or winger, they're not going to be able to keep up the same way that we saw, you know, Hummel struggle against Mbappe. Uh, But I think that what helps Italy or will help Italy is when Verratti comes back um, because they need someone that is very dominant um, and quick paced in the midfield to kind of uh, be the focal point apart from Jorginho to lay off and open up the spaces behind them um, going forward and, you know, break the lines. Um, I honestly don't think that even with the lineup that Turkey had, I, I didn't see them at all. Like Chalanahu, I didn't 
he I don't even think he touched the ball until like 20 minutes into the game. Like yeah. he was just completely non-existent. And uh, Barack Nilmaz was just running around, you know, like on his own. Like he was the only player uh, in the final third and he could barely touch the ball as well. He could get it. Once he did get the ball, there was nobody, there was no support whatsoever. And Italy was quickly on him to recover the ball, you know? And so I think uh, as much as you want to say that uh, Turkey, you know, played bad, I, I think just Italy played phenomenal because there's a, also a stat out there that um, they hadn't, um, I don't think they had won. It was either they had never won like an opening game in a, in a European or, or in an international tournament. And they had never scored more than two goals on a, right. in an international tournament on the first one. And they went in and, you know, hit three. Uh, so I, I think that was, uh, that was a, a good way to kind of, uh, say, you know, we're, we're here, we're for real. Uh, they still have some key players. Like I said, Verratti, for example, that, uh, that's missing that will make a tremendous difference in that, in that midfield as well. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. Justin. No, no. I mean, I, I, I'm not so sold on italy myself I, I think the fact that they did score three goals that kind of shows like how italy doesn't score three goals <laughs> let's just say that <laughs> turkey was turkey was that bad on the day i think yeah so. and, and I, I do want to call out real quick i know um the other game that happened was will switzerland i know i, I would say at, at least at this point uh manny is more correct than we are because we thought turkey was going to be good um are you still on the wills band bandwagon manny i just want to just Want to find out? Wales golf, Wales. All right, all right. You heard it here all first. Right. Okay. So when does when does Wales when does Wales play Turkey? Is that the next round or did they meet on match day three? I believe. Uh, good question. They meet tomorrow. Tomorrow at noon. Wales, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday well, at noon. Be so we'll see. Many quick, many quick predictions for that game. Uh, it's gonna be two one. Uh, Bale with a, a goal and an assist. Oh, Jesus. Wow, okay. All right, well, I wouldn't even put it past to you because of the abysmal play in the first game by Turkey, yeah. but let's move on to more of a group that basically was the highlight of the whole Euro so far, and that's uh, in the Group B, uh, the first game, Denmark uh, losing to Finland 1-0. Uh, obviously, the main headline here is Eriksen, uh you know, collapsed, and it was honestly a very scary moment for everyone. Yeah. Uh, Ericsson is an Inter Milan player, so you know I don't really rate him, but you could tell that like obviously everyone, no matter what team you played on, was was rooting for him. And thankfully, he's back and he was able to, you know, reach reach out to the fans and and everybody and and you know, so it, it, it's very it's very things like this just bring you brings things to perspective. You know. The, you know, when you see all these stars playing, but then <laughs> the next day you could realize that they're not there. You know, it, it just brings you back to earth in, in some sense. Um, so, but there are li- uh, a lot of things to unpack here. Obviously, Denmark lost to Finland. The, uh, people are saying they were blaming the fact that they, the game went on and the plays went on the right man- mindset. Mindset. I think Kasper Schmeichel actually came out and said that he wasn't ready and he was still distraught. Um, I would like to just, I mean, we're not doctors, so we can't really tell, and we're not psychologists. I, I don't even know how I would, what 
that would mean to me if I was on the, Dem- the Danish team, I think I would not be able to play personally. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, if what would you do in that situation, and do you think maybe this kind of affected them, you know, during the game? And just now, I'd like to hear your thoughts here. Yeah, well said at the top, Corey, about it was a scary moment, and obviously, no matter who you support, uh, what your team of choice is, who your favorite players are, who your least favorite players are, you don't want to see anybody have be put into a situation like Christian Eriksen was. It, it was a really quite terrifying moment seeing him go down like that uh, in the middle of a major game. So thankfully, you know, speaking as an Arsenal fan, talking about a former Spurs player, like I'm also just so glad to see that he seems to be okay. You know, with something like this, it's like, it's not just, you know, you start from the, your starting point is literally like, I hope he survives. Right. But then there's, there's further knock on things like, you know, like, is he going to be, did he suffer any brain damage? Did he suffer any lasting effects? Uh, does he have a career anymore? Is he is he going to be with us a year from now, two years from now? And at least for the moment, fingers crossed. He like he like you said, he made a statement out to the fans. He seems to be, you know, um, in a good place at least. That no no lasting damage in terms of um, uh, resulting from like his if his heart stopped or blood flow or anything like that. So that's all good. Um, and then in terms of like the gate, the match itself and the way that it went forward, I think that's awful. I think that is a huge mistake. And I think it's pretty despicable from UEFA because I think that the narrative when it went on was like UEFA like kind of made it at least the, the PR statements I saw were about like how it's like, oh, the players want to play on uh, the Denmark, the Danish players. You know, like they 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 want to play for Ericsson. They want to finish the game. And then, like you said, after the match, like Schmeichel and others were like, that's not true at all. You know, we were told that we had a player essentially like we were going to have a forfeit, I think, is what he said. So I think that's that's just terrible. And I don't think Finland was super thrilled to win in the way they did either, even though it's like a big victory for them, like being a small nation, obviously. Yeah. um, Yeah. Nice, 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 nice analysis there, Justin. I do want to call some. Interesting fact, I know you've been seeing my screen, I've been like zooming in on um, this one specific team, and you're probably wondering why am I zooming in on Ajax. Well, I want to call out something real quick. Uh, Owanko Kanu, who was a former Arsenal player, Daily Blind, and now Eriksen, they're all also former Ajax players, and all three have have collapsed. Uh, well, maybe not Kanu, but Kanu has a heart problem. Um, so people are now trying to speculate, obviously, we can't it's just i think it's a, a sheer coincidence but these players i've played for ajax and people are not insinuating stupid things like oh what is the what are they doing to them at ajax um but i don't know if you if people remember uh kind of has a heart problem and i don't know if he actually collapsed i can't remember but um he he had a problem where he couldn't play a full 90 minutes and i hope this is not going to be a case for ericsson because if because of the situation he's in, does that mean that he can't be playing full 90 minutes? Obviously, again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't. I don't know what the the facts are here. Uh, but let's let's move in, move up to to move it up to uh, to Manny and, and Manny. I want to get your thoughts here also, uh, mainly because again, as you know, you play pickup all the time, and if you if you've been in a team where a player collapsed, how you know would you be able to play? 
and continue to play. Like I think I think there's a lot. I just feel like it's a little unfair here because I thought Finland were going to probably definitely win that game the way. Uh, sorry, I mean Denmark was going to win that game and Finland beat them. It just feels unfair to me. No, I I, I agree with uh with with Justin's uh, sentiment um, and analysis as well. Um, to your point, uh, Denmark was in control of that game and they were utterly dominating up until that happened. And um, you know, I've actually been on the field. I know it's not the same thing, but I've I've been on the field when I've seen you know someone tear an ACL and MCL and you know, that's just like a ligament in your knee, let alone something that like cardiac arrest, for example, you know, that actually needs um, extreme medical attention. And um, it was one of those things that that was harrowing to see probably one of the most, I'd say, scary things I've ever witnessed on, you know, on, on TV or, or just happened live, period. You know, it, as a as a fan at home, uh, you're distraught. I can't imagine what it was like for those players to just be there witnessing, you know, a teammate, a friend, um, you know, even just something like that occur in real time and um, having to react so quickly. Um, the one thing that I do want to call out is, uh, and, and Bori, correct me, uh, Simon Kier, Kier? It's Kier. Uh, Kier. Uh, was the first player to react uh, as soon as uh, Christensen, um, uh, or, or sorry, uh, as soon as uh, Christian Eriksen went down. Um, and he actually, you saw, and I went back and watched it, he was like the first person to make sure that when he fell, he first fell forward, and then he kind of turned him on the side and um, made sure that, you know, he, he could tell something was wrong immediately, but he made sure that his tongue wasn't, uh, something that was going to obstruct his airway or he was going to choke on it, you know. Um, and he was like one of the first to react. And then uh, from what I've read, he was also uh, along with uh, Schmeichel. He was he was uh, instrumental in making sure that the entire team went ahead and built kind of like this like wall to obstruct the cameras from showing everything that was going on, you know, while he was receiving CPR and medical attention. Um, and I think that, that, that speaks volumes to the type of leaders that those players are as well. Um, but I think it also makes it even more, uh, difficult for them to, to not only continue with the game itself, but just the tournament and everything else that they have to focus on. Although they're, you know, true professionals, um, there's lots of images out there where, uh, uh, Kyer and uh, Schmeichel are the only two players that are facing uh, uh, Christian Eriksen when he's receiving medical attention. So they're actually viewing the whole thing. All the other players have their backs. You I know, can't. You know, I don't and, even know how they did that. I would not be able yeah, to watch that. <laughs> it's crazy. The fact crazy. that they then had, you know, went to console immediately while you know that was going on. Um, his wife, you know, to 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 think yeah. like and and be proactive. And, and be quick to to act in that moment and say, all right, you know, it's not just our, our teammate that's going on here, but it's also like, you know, the closest person to him, his wife, his loved one here. <clears throat> Let me go console him. So hats yeah. off, you know, to the type of leadership and uh, resiliency that they demonstrated. And uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that, you know, Casper Schmeichel went ahead and, and, and made that um, those comments as far as, you know, how he felt 
uh, with UEFA's decision to continue and this game. Like, I think it was absurd yeah. and it was just complete sh- uh, lack of respect um, for, you know, the team and, and honestly the sport, I think. Yeah. Yeah. To merits, thumbs down to UEFA. Not the first time we've said that. But, and I say this without qualification, um, kudos to referee Anthony Taylor, who I think also handled the situation in the moment rather well. And yeah. um, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just say, can I ask real quick uh, before we move on, is just, like, beyond this game and outside just, like, the morale, just, like, how horrible this situation is for all the players on Denmark, just uh, how does this impact them going forward for the rest of this group? Right. I, I think Christian Eriksen is key to their style of play. And like without he's like the heart and soul of this midfield and of this team. And I think we highlighted him as such in our preview episode. So how do you two see his him obviously not being able to continue in this tournament? How do you see that impacting Denmark on the field for the next two games? Yeah, I think at this point, Denmark just has to play. I think, again, I still think they have a very good defense, right? You have Kair, who's, I mean, one of the best defenders, I think, if not the best defender actually last year because of his consistency. Um, so they have that going for them. The problem, and by the way, the goal Finland scored was just really a Schmeichel mistake, which, you know, we could tell, we can't tell where his head was at at that point, but... Going forward, I think, yeah, it is definitely a problem, but they, I think they have capable players. You have Yusuf Falsin on the left wing, who I believe will bring a lot of uh, creativity, and, and he does have the strength. And, and I know we make fun of Brightwith. Um I do think he, he has the skill to, to, to basically go around defenses and, 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 and shoot, you know, shoot, you know, against the goal and stuff, but... You're right. They're gonna miss that Christian Eriksen like uh, layup passes and you know, the parallel style passes. I, I do agree with that, but I, and it's hard because they're playing Belgium next, so it's it's gonna be. I do think the other yeah. team that they're playing um, Russia. I think they w- they will beat them. I believe so, but that, it's hard at this point because if they don't tie Denmark, then you could almost count them out. So it's it's one of those things that just bad luck. I would say. Yeah. Russia, Russia, perhaps um, one of the other teams that wish that they could have stopped play and ended their match early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But t- t- actually, before we move into that, I just want to quickly call a shout out to the Inter Milan fans. They, I did see that they sent a nice message. I think they had a banner at the Nether Milan, uh, just giving kudos to, to Kair. So what a, what a man. I can't wait for him to be captain next season. But yes, uh, I think the the yeah Russia. Uh, I mean, to be honest, they play Belgium. I think Belgium is. To be honest, after seeing the France game today, I think I, I'm actually leaning towards Belgium. It was one of those two that is going to win it for me, but I think I'm leaning towards Belgium winning this whole thing. But it's hard to be to stop Belgium. I mean, how can you stop Lukaku? I mean, really, look at the way Lukaku played. How do you stop that kind of person? They couldn't stop him, and that was the downfall. I think the one thing that we need to really focus on here is the amount of injuries that or facial factors that Belgium is facing. Right now, we have Castagna is now ruled out of the Euros because of the facial fracture. Um, mm. Manny, pretty good start at this whole thing. What is going on? 
So I think it's funny how you say, how could they stop Lukaku? You mean 37-year-old Yuri Zhirkov? How could he stop Lukaku? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But... I mean, come on. Like, Russia, like, I don't know what you guys thought, Bori. Uh, I can't okay. remember if Justin was on the Russia I, hype I train was, as well. I was but... the one on the hype train. I was hyping them up. They play as a unit. They, they have... They, the one thing I didn't see from them in this game is they, they weren't playing with the height, like the energy that like they used to. And maybe it's because they're getting old. But if you watch the, you know, I mean, during the World Cup, they were playing with energy, but that's probably because they were playing for other fans, which they were because they were playing St. Petersburg. So, like, I don't know what happened. It was a mental breakdown, I think. It was, no, it was because, you know, Yuri Zhirkov was... Uh... Uh, was 34 at that time instead of 37. So that's why he was able to keep up. Um, but in all seriousness, um, you know, Belgium did what they were going to do. They were always favorites in this um, to win this uh, group and um, obviously favorites to win the entire tournament as well, even though they did have a few hiccups on um, on defense and, um, I, I think that that's something that obviously yeah. we, we've mentioned as well. They they yeah. have a few aging players, and if Belgium has uh, any uh, uh, gaps, um, Denia was injured too. Definitely on Denia was injured too. That was a problem. Who? Yeah, Denia, the defender from uh, Lyon, was also yeah. injured. I mean, he's I mean he's the more agile defender on that team, but then he was injured and he was, he's out. So like. Yeah, that that is definitely a, a very clear problem for them. Yeah, and they have, um, like I said, they they have different players as well that that can step in. Um, uh, we mentioned who Boyata. was going to kind of fill into for KDB, and uh, yeah. they had Tillemans, who was you know doing a great job. Um, looked like the Tillemans of uh, Leicester City as well. Um, you know, pulling the strings, breaking the lines, um, uh, becoming a creative outlet. Um, and then you had, um, you know, a, a, a really nice appearance uh, for Eden Hazard, um, who I think looked probably had like the best like 20, 30 minutes that he's probably had this entire season. Um, <laughs> now, well, I, mean, I don't know if that says more. It's damning with faint that, praise. <laughs> now, I don't know if that says more for the fact that he was playing, you know, they're playing Russia. And at that point, you know, the game was already, you know, signed, sealed and delivered. Uh, but he certainly looked like he was regaining some of that confidence and maybe some of the form that he's known for. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And I think also the longer that uh, Belgium can go without needing KDB, the the better the chances they're going to be. Yeah, yeah. they played point. great without him. Yeah, I think losing Castagne is going to be a problem. Mounier, he came in, scored a goal almost immediately and, they, immediately, and then got an assist later. So he's great. We knew that he was going to be important on that right side, but well, it's a long tournament. Well, I besides Bori. Besides Bori. Bori was down on him. Defensively, but, I'm still standing on that ground. He defensively, he has well, a lot of work to do. Now but, he's, not, he's operating without any backup now, so we'll see. It's a long tournament for him to be out there on the right wing without Castagne to switch off with. Yeah, I, I, I need to figure out who... Like I, I would think they will replace him, but let, let, let's move on to Group C. Uh, I think this is everyone's favorite game, Netherlands and Ukraine. What a game. I mean... The, this game had everything. It was nonstop for me. I, I could not take my eyes off the television, and I was just impressed at how Ukraine was actually playing. And this is why 
they've had a very good run, especially during the qualifiers. Remember, they didn't lose any game in the qualifiers. So you could see why, because they are such a great team and they play very good as a unit. I don't know what kind of food they're eating, but they were they just they just had the stamina the whole time. Um, does anyone ha- have anything that that's ta- that stood out to them in this game that they want to call out? Yamalenko. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And with the rocket with what, what we think, thought was a contender for um, goal of the tournament. That is until, until Schick. Schick. And, yeah. yeah. Until Schick. But uh, it was a great goal regardless. Yeah. What a player. And and it's a sad miss for for West Ham last season. I think they could have used them because yeah. I think. If he was playing the way he played for, for yesterday uh, on t- Monday or whenever Sunday whenever they played, if he was playing that same way for West Ham this season, I think West Ham could have made top four. I mean, <laughs> the way he was playing, but obviously I don't know how consistent he is. Um, anything stood out to you on Netherlands side? I mean, I th- I thought you know I think Depay I guess looked very dangerous, and uh, yeah. what's his name, the right back, and I'm forgetting his name. What you know, um, please for. I can't remember the club he even plays for, but the right back for Netherlands too, although missed a, a nice header sitter, but he showed up at the end of the game. Dumfries. And I thought it was very Dumfries, yes, Dumfries, which is yeah. also Dumfries, Virginia, which is yeah, so. I think Dumfries, Virginia is a is a place, a location in Virginia. So, um, <laughs> well, let's 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 move on to the next uh, game on in this group, uh, Austria. And North Macedonia. The only thing I want, the only reason I'm talking about this is what I told you all about Goran Padev. Do not, do not sleep on this guy. Uh, there's a reason why he still plays in Syria and for Genoa, and he's a terror, like he terrorizes Milan when Genoa plays Milan. So, um, happy for him. He's now the second most, uh, the second oldest player to score in the Euros. So that's that's definitely um, a, a huge achievement, and co- I, I'm sure he will score more goals, uh, especially against Netherlands, because I don't think. Yeah, deep. I think I think we call that North Macedonia as being potentially like they could ruin somebody's day in this group, right? They could surprise someone with like a, a draw where you don't expect it, and they look pretty good. But uh, Austria, you know, just too good. They they pulled away in one three three to one. The kudos yeah. to Panda. Uh, to Pandev for scoring. All right, let's move on to Group D, and this is the it's coming home uh, group because <laughs> you know, England is in this group. The first game, England Croatia, which was a replay basically of the World Cup semifinals. Um, remember Croatia winning that game, but this time around England beat Croatia, and there's a lot to unpack in this game because you know. I personally thought, yeah, sure, England played very well, but they were lacking in the Finnish department. But one place stood out, and I would love to. I, I, I mean, I, I, I remember last last episode I was saying why did they take Phillips, but do either of you want to tell me why they took Damn. Phillips? Boy, this is the uh, the atonement tour for you this episode. Yeah, it, it is a bad <laughs> yeah, bad episode. Yeah. I mean, it's just getting started, Bori, too. You know, like, it's just the first round of games. <laughs> More atonement to come. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kelvin Phillips, like we said, uh, Justin and I, you know, we called out he had a great uh, season um, playing under Marcel Bielsa. Um, clearly can play box-to-box, but um, can also be a creative outlet as well. And he's the one that kick-started that 
that assist um, in that play to Sterling. Um, I'm surprised he didn't start off with Bory with the questionable lineup that Gareth Southgate rolled out. Uh, well, with, I, I was giving him kudos because that's the only kudos I'm giving no, him for playing Phillips, right? And honestly, then now we're going to tear him apart. Them, I'm not giving them any kudos because they had so This game could have been 4-5-0 easy if England yeah. had put away their chances and buried it. Um, Sterling alone could have had a hat trick um, if he wanted to. Um, Kane yeah. missed a sitter as well. Uh, nobody was really hitting anything. And um, the Sterling goal, I, I, he actually like hit it at the keeper. And I guess it was just too hard to the point that the keeper couldn't react in time. Um, almost got saved as well. Um, but there were a few... Uh, the, you know, scares for England, um, mostly coming from those questionable players in the lineup. Uh, Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier, of all people, um, well, as well. He just won the the La Liga, so I yeah. understand. Yeah, but he's not a he's not a left. He's not right, a left right. That, that's a good left wing back. That's a good and Kyle Walker. I mean, it, they, I counted at least three mistakes from them where they misplaced passes backwards. And one of them also um, put uh, Pickford in a, in a really sticky situation where if he doesn't get to it, if he gets through the ball a fraction of a second late, that either ends up being a, a goal for Croatia um, or, or, you know, he gets a red card um, for, for a foul um, outside the box. And um, again, I don't know what... Gareth Southgate was doing. I don't know if he was trying to do his best uh, Pep Guardiola impression, um, trying to roll out with these players. But when you don't even use the likes of, uh, I'm not even going to get into like Reese James and Chilwell at their respective, you know, positions. But when you have, you know, Jaden Sancho, you have Jack Grealish, and they're not, you know, you don't even play them. They're not even on the yeah. bench. Like something's going on. Well, yeah. yeah, that was the weird thing is, it's Euros. We talked about this last time. You get five subs, but Parts England only subs, used yep. only used three in this well, tournament. So we, I think we, it's important. We, I think it's important to make use. That's how you can change tactically, especially in such a close game as this one. Like that's how you like you can really change things up on your opponent is drilling those different formations or different combinations on the field. And to only use three subs is kind of curious to me. Well. I, I, so I will come into the defense here, actually, for England, because I would say we don't know how we're going to act in that situation. You're just leading 1-0, right? Um, if you look at all the subs that he made, he, he only made subs to the front line, which is a, a safer bet, because if you try to restack the defense, then they, somebody could lose a man because they, you know, they've, they've just entered the game. So... I, if it's a 1-0 lead, it, it's a very tough thing to to kind of move the defense around. So, oh, even the midfield, I guess I guess you could make a claim for the midfield, saying maybe Rice or Mount could have come off for for, and then Jack Grealish will come in. But Jack Jack Grealish is not going to be is not going to be defending, right? So that that's the one thing I would say. Like he's not he wouldn't be going at least for Aston Villa he was not going back. So maybe he will play differently here. Um, I can't see anybody else that would want to like drop back and, and pr- basically protect the lead, which is what I think they were bring going in, for. So. Bring in Luke Shaw for one of the attackers or for one of the yeah, midfielders and point. switch to five at the back. Fair point. Fair point. 
Yeah, that makes too yeah. much. That I, makes I too much. That makes too much sense, Justin. There's no way Southgate is going to do that. <laughs> that, that. That makes too much sense. But um, you know, to, to to Justin's point, like, why did he, why did Mark Strashford come on? Uh, you know, like, why yeah. did he come on? Why did uh, Jude Bellingham, out of all the players on the yeah. bench, come on? Like, that's true. That's true. Yeah, his attacking uh, uh, changes were, were weird. Yes, you're right. Actually, I agree with you there. Maybe Jack, Jack Grealish could have come on for, for Sterling instead, right, and and played in that left wing. So, yeah, I, I can't really – I mean, yeah, I'm sure you all know how I feel about the coach of England. So, um, I think, for example, I'm seeing Tyron Minks in defense. I'm like, I think that could have been Tomori. But let's let's just move on to the next game, and I don't think it's coming home, right, unless somebody else thinks it's – is it coming home? Well, Scotland is on the British Isle. Okay, um, <laughs> okay. Well, that was a, a turn I did not see coming because Scotland lost 2-0 <laughs> to Czech Republic. And this group is actually looking very interesting to me because now we have England and Czech Republic with three points and Croatia and Scotland with, uh, with zero points. So I'm wondering who's actually going to end up second in this group. Like, to be honest, I kind of – I'm putting England in that bucket of, like, they're going to win the group. But actually – you never know, right? Like if if I keep forgetting the English England coach's name, but if he keeps making weird changes, could he South botch East, yeah. the team? Could he Waste botch the team? His name is Waistcoat. Waistcoat, yeah. Could he <laughs> botch the team? Like I don't think Croatia looks strong, even though they have probably one of the best midfield in the, in this in this game. Um, Czech Republic looked really good, and I think they can still win one of their games. I, I think they can. If they if they really put their minds to it, Scotland, I, I would I think I would say maybe they probably could maybe tie with one of those two teams, England or Croatia. But I'm actually not sure how this is going to end up in in this group actually. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a toss up. I think so. Just to talk real quick, real quick about the Scotland the I'm sorry, Scotland and Czech Republic game. Like so, Scotland looked pretty dangerous in the first half, in my opinion. Although they're like extremely one-dimensional, I think we highlighted in our previews like they're very reliant on going down that left side, and they didn't even have Kieran Tierney in this game to help out on that left side, and they still were super reliant. Arsenal plug, Arsenal plug. No, he's a great player. I mean, he's uh, always please uh, come on. We're talking. He's a I mean, key cog in the Scotland side. He really stands, is. What do you expect? You have to plug in the players at that point. I you got to. Plug in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, he he might be back. Know. So he might be back for the the match against England on mm-hmm. friday so i'm looking forward to that that's a fun. that's a game i think is gonna be pretty interesting but yeah. like i said like so scotland looked dangerous in the first half but then the czech republic i think actually showed up and uh looked pretty good and i, I think you know someone said chick he came to the rescue uh with the first goal and then he he became superman for the second goal i don't know do yeah. you guys everyone want to talk about that the the strength of it, so. it, was, it was a great goal from from the halfway line like i mean it, it's incredible. I mean, we see goals like this and they look easy, but they're not easy. And I think it definitely should be, at least so far, the best goal of the tournament for me, at least. I Man, agree. Are submissions you know, closed? Please submit no more goals. This is the goal, this is the goal of the tournament. No, this is this is definitely, I, I think it'll, it's hard to see a, a better goal than this just because of the way the sequence of, of the entire goal and, and, and how it happened. On a counter, you know, at like 50, what was it like, more than 50 yards, something like that. Um, I think it set the record or tied the record for the longest goal in a in a in a European tournament, I believe it was. Um, so, I mean, kudos to him for for 
for pulling it off. Um, I do want to mention as well, going back to uh, what Justin said, as far as, you know, the way that Scotland looked, you know, they just did not, they created more chances. In fact, I think like they had uh, an XG, like expected goals of like two point something versus Czech Republic's like point like four or five or something. And then at the end, the final whistle, it's Scotland zero, Czech Republic two. That just goes to show you again, if you don't, you know, make the most, if you don't bury your chances, then what does it matter? You know, because the Czech Republic pretty much, those were the only chances that they had. The the goal yeah. that they scored, Schick, yeah. that was it. That, that and they have the chance only... from Schick. Yeah, literally. And so, you know, again, um, I don't know. It's one of those things where this was a surprise. I don't think anybody expected the score line, especially because, again, when the game kicked off, Scotland seemed dominant. And it looked like it's it was all... only going to be a matter of time before they, they scored. And uh, yeah. this just goes to show you how quickly a game can change. Yeah. Justin, do you have anything else to say before we move on to the next group? So I had predicted that Scotland was going to do really well in this group, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, so I I have to admit that um, I'm sticking to my prediction. They're going to surprise <laughs> England on Friday. Hey, I think, you know what? I See what happens. I will not be surprised Let's if that happens. I think, I, I'll tell I you what. Scott, Boy, you said this. Gonna- Scotland will do well if they play uh, Tierney and Billy Gilmore at oh, the same God. time. Sure. Amazing. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Let's move on to to the last group uh, we're going to talk about today, uh, and that's Group E: Spain, Sweden. Uh, Manny, I think you're you're the you're the you, you have a, a rant here, I, I believe, and uh, uh, yeah. Watching Spain, watching one Alvaro Morata. Reminding me of how good it is as a Chelsea fan that he's no longer on our team. Because let me tell you that for all the wait, the, wait, wait, hold on. Before you go, you have Timo Werner now, though, so don't don't forget that. But no, 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 oh no. boy, don't don't even don't even don't even insult Timo Werner because Timo Werner at least, uh, you know, he might be you know shooting blank and he might have you know he might have an off day here and there, but. The guy never stops hustling. He never stops working for the team and recovering the ball and just making runs. Morata out there looked like the Chelsea Morata where he just missed something. And then you could see his body language, you know, just the confidence is gone. You know, he's just sulking out there, uh, not even helping out the team win the ball back when he loses it. I mean, it really looked like that, you know, like peak Morata from Chelsea. And I don't understand how he stayed in the law, uh, how he stayed in the game as long as he did. Uh, when you had the likes of like Gerard Moreno uh, on the uh, on the bench, and you know this made me think of of how bad uh, Iago Aspas must feel uh, for not being called up to oh, the Spanish national team because that guy is a true striker, a true number nine. You know, like hits a target. You know, more often than not, and uh, he he could bury the chances that Morata had um, in that game with his eyes closed, honestly. And um, I'm wondering if Luis Enrique is actually uh, regretting not not calling him up or calling up another striker because if they continue to waste chances like that, I, I don't see how Spain um, 
you know can advance or get very far in in this tournament. Are we giving Sweden any credit here or no? Well, let me guys let me ask you guys this: Who had the biggest? Who was like the biggest flop at striker in that Spain Sweden game? Was it Morata for Spain or was it uh, Berg for uh, for Sweden? I mean, probably Morata, but Berg close second, especially since his strike partner was putting in the work. Oh I God. Talk- I want to talk about Biggest the fan. Yeah, can you talk about Isak real quick? Because I know you you can't not stop talking about him. <laughs> I think he's great. I I love him. I, I I've been so I've been all high on. I've been talking about the next generation of strikers. You know, Holland and uh, Mbappe, obviously. Like you know, and I'm these are tools that the players who have multiple tools on their belt, right? You got to be fast. You got to be uh, strong. You got to have good vision you have to be able to pass dribble and shoot this is like the makeup of the next generation of world-class players i think at at the striker position and i think uh isak save for perhaps the strength as of yet because he's a pretty skinny guy but otherwise i think he's got it he can and you saw it during this game too he was dribbling the spanish defense he's making them he was you know turning them on their heads like trying to keep up with him He's extremely fast. He found some great assists, which his uh, strike partner Berg <laughs> shanked a couple of them. Uh, but he was putting his pl- like passes on a plate. He was making like also break like you know from midfield. He was like would make a great pass to just like start the counterattack. He was taking people on. He he's he shoots a lot and with uh with ferocity when he shoots the ball. So yeah, I'm I'm high on him and I think that he's gonna be. I think he might be a a big talent and he's gonna be in high demand. If he keeps on having a tournament that is indicative of um, his the way he can play, like this game he showed. I can tell that um, Justin doesn't say a lot of praises about his players because, you know, he supports a club called Arsenal. So, unfortunately, um, he doesn't have a lot of praise for them like he has with actually, uh, Isaac. Actually, Bori, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, hey, I'm surprised that Justin didn't say, oh, who's also linked to Arsenal. Oh, no, that's like, my great. My, I'll be honest. My greatest fear was that Isak was going to show up and look, he was going to show the world how good he was. And the second he started playing against well against Spain, I was excited, but then also very deflated. He's like, oh, well, he's totally priced out of Arsenal's uh, uh, spending limit now. There's no there's no way Arsenal's going to get him because everybody's going to be looking for him now. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, great game. I, you know. We'll see what happens to Spain. It's a tricky group now for Spain because now they have just one point and and then Slovakia who, you know, they look good. You know, I I was very impressed with the way they played. I thought they hustled the whole time. I thought uh, Hanschik was very good at giving those vertical passes, which is very important for them. And they were moving the ball so well. Um, Even the defenders, Skriniar was also very good. I mean, such a solid defender. I can see why... He's linked to Manchester United. I don't even know how if that's still a thing. But what a what 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 a team! They they really played well. I do want to take put the focus now on Poland, and I really feel bad for for Lewandowski because if you look at Lewandowski for Bayern Munich versus Lewandowski in Poland, they look like two different players. It's almost as if he's wearing a mask or or something. Uh, you know, uh, Justin, do, do you have any thoughts on how like? players could be so drastically different in one in the club and then and, and then for the country they're just a different player 
Yeah, I don't know. It's curious, right? Especially when you're, when you're – you see it all the time, I feel like, with players of perhaps, like, lesser or more role-player capabilities. We like, And sometimes they play better for their national team than they do for their um, club side. But for when you're a player who's, like, obviously world-class, then uh, it is kind of curious, like, when you see them, like, underperform – like like Lewandowski does and like you sometimes see Messi laboring and it's 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 also let's be honest it's not all their fault they also they're one of 11 players on the field and some sometimes you just don't have the backup required to look your best when you're playing with your national squad and I think that's definitely the case with Lewandowski but Manny what do you think yeah um I think that in this tournament though there's a lot of teams that uh you can see they have a, a you know like a very high profile uh player um and uh often you see how important how integral uh that player is to the success of that team so we've already seen it in this tournament you called it out with uh Lewandowski in Poland um Austria and Alaba um you know there, there's a lot of uh, teams out there that that are reliant on, on, on one player per se. And um, I, I think that, that that just goes to show you that some of these players just have to go above and beyond and are carrying the weight of like the success of their, their teams um, to make something happen. And um, other teams are, are fortunate enough to, to have a lot of talent and depth in their squad. And we've called them out. Those are usually the heavy favorites. But when you get to, you know, the likes of like Poland and Slovakia, and it's usually like one or two players. If one of those players uh, like Lewandowski, who contributes so much uh, to the team, isn't isn't, you know, getting the ball, um, isn't having a good game, then I, I don't see how how a team like that can can even advance. Like, do they even have a chance to to make it even out of the group stage, uh, you know, let alone win a game? Um, and on top of that, the the player that they got uh, that they got sent off. So I wanted to call off that this was actually the first red card of the tournament as well in this game. Um, was uh, yeah. So who I had called out um, previously as one of like the one of the more quote unquote high profile players just because he has um, experience in playing multiple leagues and playing in some mm-hmm. of the big teams in Spain, for example. Um, for him to get sent off the way that he yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, he should have, he should have, uh, I think like he just let the, his emotions get to him. I think that the, the yep. game, this game was very uh, like cagey, a um, lot of fouling back and forth. Uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of progression of play um, because the sequences would be broken up by fouls here and there. Um, and the first yellow card that he got was actually a really, I, I didn't think it was like a big deal for it to be considered a yellow card, but the second one definitely warranted a yellow card. And at that point, uh, you know, once you go down to, to 10 men and you still have, what, like 30 minutes left to go in a yep. game, uh, it, it, uh-huh. you're asking for a lot from some of these players, especially like Lewandowski, who's so reliant on getting the ball from a player of Krakowiak's status, for example. Yeah. Yeah, and Slovakia were playing very well and they were very agile the whole game. So it's hard uh, for, for Poland to keep up with that with 10 men. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I think so. We're, we're done with Euros. I mean, a lot of t- a lot of exciting games. So so you know, 
we hope to to watch the second game and see our feelings at that time. Um, I, I do want to just really, really quick just talk about the Copa America. Obviously, Copa America is going on right now. Um, it's a weird state because it's like, you know, everyone has to play five games and it's like there are two groups. It's, it's so weird. But I do want to call out one game uh, that I watched. And it just it boggles my mind every time I watch Argentina play because if people have listened to the podcast in the past, I always not, I never understand why Argentina is so different, even if they have like they have all these star players playing on this team and they still are struggling to beat teams like Chile, who, by the way, are a great team. I'm not saying they're not a great team, but with a with a if you have Messi on your team, you should be winning the game, right? You should be winning that game. But I just remember vividly one pass that Messi gave to one of the attackers, and it was just like a s- simple header to just just put that in. And just talking about you know with with uh, Lewandowski here, like how how players are different when they play for their clubs, but in the national team, they're they're just a completely different player. It's mind-boggling. And you have people like De Paul, Di Maria, who were were okay, but they just I guess they were just unlucky, and it's 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 crazy to see um, the 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 way that these teams these teams play. Um, you know, Argentina specifically they play, and it's it's incredible. Um, so just wanted to call that out, but also just to call out that like Copa America. Is going on, so hopefully we get we'll, we'll have more more things to say about it in in the next episode when uh, Messi is is you know scores a hat trick or something. The COVID cup. The the COVID cup, yeah, right. right, right, yeah. yeah. We didn't even talk about COVID. I had once in this episode, so I had to bring it up at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. No episode <laughs> is complete without COVID. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, so do we want to talk about the games to watch for the games that everyone's looking forward to in the Euros for for, for the match day two? Yeah, I can, definitely. Are you ready, Justin? Do you want to go? Um, Sure, I can go first. I'm going to highlight... Well, there's a few there's a few juicy ones looking at it. Of course. But I'm, I'm going to highlight Friday's uh, Battle of the British Isles, England versus Scotland. Because I think that's going to be pretty interesting, seeing how underwhelming England was and then how disappointing the result was for Scotland. I think both are going to be coming out looking to make a statement, as particularly given who their opponents are. And I think Scotland actually is going to surprise. I think Scotland is is going to surprise in this match. Yeah, um, I can go. Um, I this is very a weird. I mean, obviously, I want to watch every game and I watch the big games, but I'm actually looking forward to the Finland Russia game. Mainly because if Finland wins tomorrow, they've qualified, which will be a freaking mind-blowing thing. Everyone will be wrong because they were probably the team that people thought were not going to, like the number one team that people thought weren't going to qualify. Well, maybe them and and Hungary. But if Finland beats Russia tomorrow, they've qualified. I even Actually, if they tie Russia, they've qualified to the next round, basically, in my head. So that... That's the game I want to watch, and I want to see mm. how that, that game is going to progress. Manny? That's actually the one that I was going to uh, to say as well, uh, Bori. Uh, but I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to go with uh, Germany-Portugal. Uh, yeah. Of course. Of course. For, yep. for obvious reasons. Um, Portugal, again, they struggled mightily. Uh, you know, against Hungary, 
who everyone had written off way before this game even started and uh, struggled for a good part of it up until a few decisions went their way. And um, Germany, it'll be interesting to see if they make any changes uh, to that lineup um, because, uh, again, they had never lost, I believe, um, apart from today, they had never lost an opening round fixture in a, in a, in a tournament. So mm. yeah. we'll see what that does for them psychologically or, you know, as, as far as like team morale uh, from that standpoint. But again, uh, it's not called the group of death for, for no reason, right? Yeah, and I still think Russia, uh, sorry, Hungary may shock one of these teams. Yeah. Uh, maybe it is France, but they may get a tie out of one of these teams, will make, which will make everything crazy. But yeah. I think that's all we have today. Thank you so much, Manny and Justin, for joining this episode. As usual, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye.